Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermons podcast. Today's sermon features Bible teacher Tyler Riley, and it was recorded on Sunday, May 22nd. Thanks for tuning in. We'd love the chance to connect with you, so drop us a line at info at faithbridge.org. And if you're in the area, join us this Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi. You can always join us for FaithBridge online at faithbridge.org live. Here's Tyler. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see y'all. I'm going to be honest, uh, right before, I'm a little frazzled right before I came out here. Um, I opened the door of the green room and I broke something on it. And so, uh, honestly, I'm just glad to see you guys because this is the safest place I can be for the next like 20 minutes <laughs> until somebody finds out about it. Um, but other than that, uh, this is a big day, you guys. This is a big day worth celebrating. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10 this morning, continuing in uh, the story of the life of Jesus. And we're going to be using this passage to help us commission and send out over 400 students, adults, and interns who are going out on mission for the sake of the gospel this summer. And it's such an incredible thing. Yes, can we please acknowledge that together? It truly is an incredible thing. And and here in the passage that we're looking at this morning in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is sending out uh, what is known as the 72. And this is a really kind of a clarification even of what this mission is. That these students, that these adults, that these interns are going out on and as believers and followers of Christ, what mission is for us as well to live out in our daily lives. So let's read this passage together and then let's dive into that this morning. We're going to be starting with verse 1 of chapter 10 going to verse 12. It says this, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, and behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Let's pray this morning and let's dig into this. God, we thank you for the, really just the ability to even gather together this morning. I pray that as we open your word, we would one, realize that it is just that. It is your words to us. But then we would also realize that, hey, this this word is for us as well. That as we look at these, uh, your very words to these 72 of sending them out on mission, I pray that we would understand that this is the exact same calling 
that is on our lives as well. And I pray that through our time together today, we would understand what that means. And we would understand that you've called us to something truly great. So we thank you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. I've lived in a lot of places over the course of my life, but by far the weirdest place I've ever lived was on a putt-putt course. Can you, can you imagine if I was just like, let's pray. I, I, think it, I think about stuff like that all the time. I think Ken would also love it personally. Um, I lived on a putt-putt course because I worked at a camp full-time, all right? And the camp that I lived at on site 24-7 was an elementary camp. And on this elementary camp was a putt-putt course. So naturally, my roommate Josh and I would go out and we would play often. We would play frequently. And uh, we would play so much that we actually got very, very good. All right? I don't want to boast, but I will brag about myself. Have you, this camp, it, it spelled out the name of the camp, that putt-putt course that I'm talking about. The putt-putt course itself was a different, every hole was a different letter of the name of this camp. Have you ever hit a hole-in-one on the letter W? Because I have almost one time. It was very close. You should have seen it. And so Josh and I are driving around town at that time. I lived in Tyler, Texas. My name is Tyler. I lived in Tyler. I got it a lot. We're driving around and we pass this kind of like putt-putt funhouse place, right? And there's a billboard on, and on the sign it, it talks about a tournament that's coming up. I was like, Josh, pull over. So we do, we go inside, we talk to the guy and he's like, um, well, would you like to compete in the beginner level tournament? Or would you like to take part in the professional level tournament? To me, okay, to me, this wasn't the YMCA. I'm not just here to participate. I'm here to take it all. Okay, it's a $10 buy-in, which means that you win money, U.S. currency at the end of this. And we're so good, Josh, that not only will we for sure win this, we could travel around and do this. <laughs> and I know y'all are you know, thinking, are you telling me that you started a pursuit of becoming a professional putt-putter? It's actually called a putt-puttist, okay? <laughs> so if you're asking me that, then yes. And we show up the day of the tournament, and we, uh, you know, walk to the course, and I look around, there is no one under the age of 60 at this entire thing. And I thought to myself, oh, yes, yes, this is what I was hoping for. I looked and one guy is literally using his cane as a putter. He has a rubber strip that goes on the side of it and he would walk to a hole and then he would, he would hit with it. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. This is incredible. What I should have realized is what you all realized whenever I said that. Because if you're thinking that this ends as a very inspiring, facing the giants type of story. I got dead last. <laughs> My roommate Josh got second to dead last. <laughs> and my professional putt-putt career was over just as quick 
as my dream of becoming an NFL quarterback when I took my first snap in seventh grade and couldn't see anything. (laughs) And it's ridiculous, but honestly, I was crushed, right? We had played so much. We had gotten really good, what I thought was really good. And, And I was crushed because the whole reason I went on this entire Putt putt exploration was because I wanted to pursue something that at the time I thought meant something and in the end would lead to a great reward, right? A worthy result in the end. And honestly, I think we would all say that we want to be a part of something like that. A part of something where the pursuit, the mission is worth it because the end result is worthy. And this morning, what I want to tell you, whether you're here in person, whether you're watching online, whether you're watching this later, whether you're listening to it as you drive in your car, as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, you are. You are a part of a worthy mission. And that's what Jesus is doing in this passage. That's what he's done with just the chapter before with his disciples. That is what he'll continue to do as he's preaching his message during his ministry here on earth. He's making us aware you are a part of a mission. And so I want us to acknowledge three things from the passage here this morning that I want us to be aware of when it comes to this mission that Jesus is talking about. When it comes to the mission at hand that we are to live our lives on. And the first is that we are on the same mission. Not just collectively as a body of believers. We are on the same exact mission as these very 72. We are on the same mission as the 12 that Jesus sends out in the chapter before this. We are on the same mission and it boils down to what Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 28 when he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then what does he do with that authority? He says, go therefore and make disciples. Go out and make more and stronger disciples who make more and stronger disciples. And then he'll tell us something about that mission as well. He'll say that, hey, this mission is gonna be a lot of work and there is not a lot of people who are going to be doing that work. He'll tell us in verse two, he says, he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. This, this harvest being plentiful isn't necessarily talking about the opportunity. That is true. He is talking about there is a lot of work to be done. And there is not a lot of people who are willing to do that work. It's an important thing to understand. Now, as we said, you know, we're sending out over 400 students, adults, and interns 
to go out and, and practice living on this mission, actually go live on this mission this summer. And of that, around 330 of those are students from fifth grade to 12th grade. And that may seem like a lot because it is. That's incredible. And I want us to see something that I think will help us even paint this picture a, a little more. I, I was curious, and so I, I started looking at just Klein ISD alone, right? I wanted to look specifically at middle schools and high schools. And so I started with middle school, right? We have nine middle schools here in Klein ISD alone. Hildebrandt, Kleb, Klein, Krimmel, the one about the wolf, Strzok, Ulrich, Wunderlich, and Dory, founder. <laughs> and then we have five high schools, five high schools, Klein, Klein Collins, Klein Oak, Klein Forest, Klein Kane. Now collectively, Klein ISD alone, those sixth through 12th grade campuses, roughly 30,000 students. Yeah, wow. Now that 330 is phenomenal. That is an incredible number. Do you see next to that 30,000, this picture that Jesus is painting? The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. So students, what I would say to you this morning and to those over in our communion venue as well, thank you. Thank you for accepting that call to go live out this mission this summer. And parents, thank you. Thank you for allowing your student to go and to live out this mission. We understand that that trust is a big deal and they are in phenomenal hands. Now there is something that I want us to be aware of this mission. It's the second thing for us to acknowledge as we go out is that the reality is, is that some won't receive us. Some won't receive us, but some will. That coin has two sides there. Some won't receive us, but some will. In verse three, Jesus says, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. There are wolves out there. There are those who do not want this message to go forward. This world does not have a lot of mercy. But then also, some will receive us. Jesus refers to these in verse six. He refers to them as sons of peace. And if you're a parent in the room, again, I wanna to talk to you for a moment, and students as well. Praise God, they are going out this summer to be received on the other end by sons of peace. They're gonna be partnering in the road here at Faithbridge, our missions program partners with incredible missions partners, literally all over the world. So if you're in the, a parent in the room, take another deep breath. And students realize the incredible benefit that that is to be received on the other end by a son of peace as you practice living out on this mission. A greenhouse exists to provide the ideal environment 
for the plants inside it to grow. And that's what our road team has done with the road program. It provides an ideal environment for them to grow as a person and who they are and also as an, in the knowledge of the understanding of this very mission that we're talking about this morning. But understand for all of us, as we go out and we live this mission in our daily lives, some won't receive us and some will. That is a reality of the mission to which we've been called. And then the last thing that I want us to acknowledge this morning and to make us aware of from this passage as we continue to go forth, the mission, it has highs and lows. The mission has highs and lows. There are going to be moments where you are like, this is incredible. I see the fruit before my very eyes. This is phenomenal. That moment was amazing. And there is going to be times where you are like, this is hard. The work I'm doing is hard. People aren't listening to me as I'm trying to give this message. Whatever it is, there are going to be highs and lows. And in verse 10, Jesus says to these 72, but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to your feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. That is still a truth. And the mission is going to have major ups and the mission is gonna have major downs. Kick the dust off your feet and keep moving forward. Because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Kick the dust off your feet and keep moving forward because that one moment, that one moment where someone gets the message that you're going out with is worth the miles and miles of dust that you've kicked off your feet. The mission has highs and lows. I personally got to experience both of those in my very recent proposal to my now fiance. I did get engaged, praise God, okay? <laughs> Through all the moments, yes, yes. Um, some of you were wooing a little bit too hard, okay? Definitely was a little bit more of like a, thank goodness, we never thought it would happen. Jehovah Jireh, let's calm down, okay? I feel that too, though. Uh, I, I did ask Maddie Ullman, who's our uh, fourth and fifth grade coordinator here, to marry me, and she said yes. That's a big part. Um, and as much as I would like to tell you that that actual proposal went phenomenal, That wouldn't make a good illustration right now. It went about as well as my putt-putt adventure. And I will tell you, I'll be honest, in my pride, I thought I was going to be amazing at proposals. In fact, the day of, I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm excited 
And her sister's boyfriend, Noah, is like, have you thought about what you're going to say? You know, have you like practiced it a little bit or whatever? And I was like, listen. I know you don't really know me. But winging it is kind of my thing. Do you think famous poets thought about what they were going to say before they wrote it down? No. And it was going phenomenal until we got there. Now, here's the thing. Maddie loves the Alamo. She always has. Growing up, she's lived close to it. And, and so she, she grew up going to the Alamo. When friends would come into town, she's like, you got to see the Alamo. She just loves it, right? She's passionate about it. She loves the Alamo. And so even uh, I had caught wind from her sister when I was already thinking about doing this. She's like, yes, like she even talked about it as we were kids, like wanting to be proposed to at the Alamo. And I'm like, well, there you go. This just got easy. <laughs> All I got to do is go to the Alamo. And so we go. And as we get there, right, we, we round the corner to the Alamo. And I'm like, man, it feels great outside. The sun is shining. There are 50 to 75 people in mourning. There are wreaths on the grass. There is some sort of memorial to remember the Alamo and the descendants are apparently still very much affected by it. <laughs> and they are weeping. And from that moment on, I did what anyone else would do. I said, you ever seen the back of the Alamo? <laughs> She's like, I didn't even know there was one. And so I'm like, let's go see it. And we start looping around this thing like it is Jericho. <laughs> and I have no plan. And so eventually, she, after we've gone around like three times, she's like, you, you want to go to the river walk? And I'm like, yes, river walk. Let's go to the river walk. I'm like, let's get dinner. You like Rainforest Cafe? This <laughs> is like... Gorilla's in there, and, and there's an hour and 20-minute wait. That can't even happen. So then I'm like, hey, want to go back to the Alamo? You remember it? So we go back up. We go back up, and on the way up, there's one X factor in this whole situation that I haven't told you about yet. That is that that entire day, I've been having a severe allergic reaction to oak tree pollen. My left eye is basically unusable. <laughs> and on our way back up, we pass by a CVS on the Riverwalk, which any other day, I would have been like, that's a terrible business decision. That day was manna from heaven. Because I go inside, I get a Benadryl and a Dr. Pepper, and I'm like, let's do this. We go back up to the Alamo to where I'm going to ask her. Now, when we uh, first met each other here on staff at Faithbridge, we were taking a preaching class together. And when she was giving her first sermon, she used an illustration about the Alamo because she loves it. And then later that day, randomly across my Facebook feed comes an article that a guy wrote about how when William B. Travis drew a line in the sand and said, if you want to fight, step over the line or whatever, was completely fabricated. So I sent it to her. <laughs> Students, if you get anything from what I said today, don't do that. 
But I'm like, I'm going to redeem this situation. And so I say, hey, Maddie, do you remember that article that I sent you a long time ago? And she's like, why would you even say that? <laughs> and I was like, well, we can make sure that that happens for sure. I then draw a line in the sand. I step on the other side of it, kneel down, pull out the ring. And I say, yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it was good. It was good. It was good stuff. And, uh, and I say, are you sure you want to spend forever with me if you do step over the line? She's like, can I? And we like embrace and everything. And then I realize that I'm still holding the ring. Why am I still holding the ring? Because I did not ask her to marry me. <laughs> so in a moment of panic, I gently push her off of me and then kneel down again and say, will you marry me? She says yes. And we hug and it's a great moment. We go back to my car where I've received a parking ticket because I took 15 minutes too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly how I pictured it. It was pure chaos. But you want another funny thing? You want another funny thing? Is that I don't care about any of that. I don't care about any of that. Because that one moment, that one moment, was worth it. That one moment where I got to ask Maddie to marry me was worth it. I don't care about any of the crazy things that happened before that. My mission was worth it. You want to know what makes a mission worth it? When the end result is worthy. And friends, the end result of the mission that we are on is more worthy than you can even imagine. Far greater than what is easily for me right now, the greatest day of my life so far. The mission that we are on has an end result that is worthy. The mission is worth it for that, that one moment, that one moment where you get to make somebody aware for the first time, someone who is hurting, who, who's looking for answers, who has no hope, the time that you get to make them aware that this same Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And not only is he the one who sends us on that mission, that's already worth it. But that same Jesus would use that authority to willingly put himself on a cross, to willingly take on the wrath of his own father that was meant for us. Why? So that we and so that very person can understand that they have the opportunity to be reconciled again despite their sin with the very one who spoke them into existence for eternity. You are carrying an eternal message. And it is a worthy one. So church, 
These students, these adults, these interns have said, count me in when it comes to that mission. They said, count me in. And I wonder, I wonder what would happen if we all were to say that. If we all were to say, count me in, in our jobs, on our campuses, in our homes, in our own families, in our community that we live in, you are here for such a time as this to carry that message forth. May we do that faithfully because the end result is worth it. And it is the mission to which we have been called. So let me pray over all of these who are going and let me pray for us as well as we seek to faithfully carry this mission and may we do so. God, we thank you that not only you gave us a new life, but, but with that new life came new purpose. God, it's to make your name known. It's to go therefore and to make disciples. It's to make people aware of the very good news that has changed those of us who are walking in it. So God, I pray for these students, these adults, these interns, everyone who would go out, I pray that they would carry this message well, that they would carry it with endurance, that you would guide them, that you would provide them strength. And God, I pray for the rest of us too, that we would understand this is our mission. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. May we acknowledge and receive that we are the laborers. Count us in. God, you're good. We thank you for your love and your mercy that gave us Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen.